magicians, wizards, apparitions, adult language, and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not enter the house of mystery. All right, then. On the show. All right, hello. Welcome, everyone, to the house of mystery, the John Constantine and Friends podcast. Hello, hello. I am Michael, your host and curator. Hello, David, the demon bisexual butler. How are you? Hello, everybody. Doing well over here. All right. Really excited for today because I love this series. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about. There's a lot of good things to get into. If you are a new listener, you can find all of our shows past, present, and in the future wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search House of Mystery. Our preferred place for you to listen is Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Just search House of Mystery Give us a thumbs up, give us a five-star rating, and a review. All right. Okay, we are continuing. Are you ready, David? We are continuing our Night Terrors coverage with a discussion on Night Terrors 1 and 2. So we'll be combining those two issues for one discussion uh, with more attention on issue 1 because it has a lot more story. and. Uh, it fleshes out the players a bit more, specifically the villain. Yeah. Who is no one of real significance, which it's a brand new villain works for me. Right. Does that work for you as well? The fact that this is no one. It literally, I believe they said some dude yes. or some guy, you know, there may be some readers are like, Oh, I was kind of hoping there'd be some connection, someone that we knew, but you know what? I'm glad we need more new things. And the Batman who laughs doesn't count. Yeah. The Batman who laughs doesn't count. He's, he's cool. He is cool. But all you did was take Batman and Joker and Joker and, and combine them. Yeah. And, and like, when you think about I have it, read slash fiction, that's done the same thing. <laughs> when you think about it, it's like the last couple of years for the DC landscape via comics, they haven't introduced really jaw dropping, you know, villains that universal villains they've been constantly going back the last couple of times just to villains we all are comfortable with dark side with slight variation especially with some of the infinite crisis yeah. storylines is what dark cri infinite was it dark infinite crisis yeah I forget this. or dark crisis there, there you go dark crisis yeah because with dark crisis it just went back to the will of dark side and then the great uh the great darkness and even things like decease which i i did like for the most part they also just gave us variations of of baddies that make appearances yes, in the series. Bobos. So it's nice to have something completely new with no attachments, but they're also at the same time creating this in-universe history there. So it gives him a little more development, something to flesh out as opposed to just someone that has no history whatsoever. Yeah. So it, it does work for me. I, I was hoping it wasn't someone who's, morphed into something else which is also very common within comic books um having the idea of insomnia being just a regular dude who has some grievances grievances toward the justice league the justice league and dead man yeah and, and up to this point in the story we're still unsure why he has grievances with justice league dark 
but there are illusions. They're building towards that reveal. And all of it works for me so far. Also, more character development in relation to Dead Man was definitely greatly appreciated from someone like me who loves Dead Man. I like the recontextualization. The origin is fairly the same, but with additional layers of emotion along with, and this is the key for me, along with some existentialist aspects that really capture the embodiment of the character. David, what were your highlights and your initial thoughts? Well, my highlights for the first issue. I love the opening. That opening with with Dead Man setting the tone. Yeah. Basically, that got me really excited because essentially for the past couple of uh you know major events in comics, they've had to rely uh, especially on DC side, they've had to rely on their top tier characters. Uh, particularly in DC, you had to rely on the Justice League. You had to rely on the Trinity. You had to rely on Batman. Here, in Night Terrors, we open up with Dead Man, which is awesome because by the end of the first issue, it's fully established that Dead Man is the lead of the book, which to me just made me so giddy because we get to see a different character, different hero step up to the plate to save the universe. It doesn't have to fall on the shoulders of Batman and Superman. It can, you can call on these other characters in DC's pantheon, specifically in the darker side of DC that will come in and save the day. And dead man is tailor made for this new universal villain because He's immune to his powers for one thing. He can't be put to sleep. <laughs> and I found that to be really intriguing because essentially all the promotional material ahead of time, me and you were making fun. Oh, here we go. Batman is, is there. He's with dead man and Sandman. So it's going to be Batman taking the lead. Nope. Batman's not, in, not here. It's dead man inhabiting Batman's body. Mm-hmm which I thought was like really cool. And I kind of like was giddy because it's just that, you know, finger to all the Batman fans out there that, Aww. that say Batman can say uh, is the only one that could save the universe for some strange reason. But like, but also at the same time, giving Batman fans a little bit of Batman there. Yeah. And also Batman also has his own night terrors, ongoing story, ongoing story within this event. So Either way, Batman fans win, and we get to have a cool Batman aesthetic. But the the character, the main the character, character is Dead Man. Is Dead Man? Yeah, is Boston. And I like the, I loved the thing that basically Boston in Batman's body because they they cover this in the in the. I've also issue. read slash fiction similar <laughs> to this as well. I think you mean like Boston in Zatanna's body. But <laughs> no, I, I think I've read some <laughs> somewhere dead man infiltrates <laughs> Batman's body. Yes, it's out there. David, you look very curious now. Like, well, my well, interest has been peaked, sir. <laughs> but like the, the one thing that I really did enjoy was the fact that even though Boston is in Bruce's body, he doesn't do Batman things. Yeah. He does dead man things. Yeah. And like. 
the Batman, he's just essentially using Batman as kind of like the only physical connection he can have to the outside world. There was a little bit of a Batman blowing moment that made me roll my eyes just a bit when he's all, thankfully Batman works out. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Like way to put Batman over Jesus Christ. Which I was like going, Boston, if that's the case, why didn't you just jump into Superman's body? I wonder if <laughs> Williamson took some anti-gag reflexes when he wrote that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But that is my, not to get overly critical about Batman. Let me just say I love Batman for any new listeners out there. I actually, he's one of my favorite characters. But I do like to mock the, the fact that all DC does is just do Batman stuff on repeat over and over and over. So when you get a moment like that in the comic where it says, thankfully, Batman works out. Otherwise, he wouldn't be able to do this. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Dead man, you're ripped, dude. You're a ghost, but you're ripped. Every superhero character is ripped. So that doesn't really work. Well, remember, Mike, dead man is dead. He doesn't have a body. He just floats around. So, I mean, he can't really do anything physical. He needs that body to actually do it. He should have been like, man, Bruce Wayne's got a great package. See, that would be funny. That would be funny. But then, you know, like to bookend it in the very end of issue one with the with the resurrection of one of my favorite, you know, visual, visually favorite characters of all time in the original Sandman mm -hmm. with uh, Wesley Dodds. Right. And... I got so giddy because the way they handled it was like they tied it into other, you know, other events that happened. The only way Boston was able to re resurrect Wesley Dodds was he needed to actually get the Lazarus serum from Lazarus planet. Right. To actually bring him back. And, <laughs> and I really liked, I really liked they went that route. Even though prior when we covered this, I was like thinking, well, if Wesley Dodds comes back, does that mean that, you know, Morpheus probably is stepping into this? No, it's basically they're going to make sure to tie it to a major yeah. event that happened. Yeah, I'm sure Sandman, the Sandman, will be brought in eventually. But, oh, he has to. But either way, their inclusion of Golden Age Sandman, it it worked. It and worked. it was fun. I I... I know sometimes people think I don't know how to, I don't know how to have fun, but I do like things that are just for fun. And when dead man said, well, what did he say? A zombie Sandman <laughs> slash dead man, dead Batman man, team, up. team up. Like that's pretty fucking cool. That was a funny line. All right, David. So this issue or the, these two issues are written as well as let me start over. Cause I'm losing my train of thought and we've barely even started David. So strap in. Cause we're in for a wild show. I'm sure if I'm already losing my mind, we're only 11 minutes in. Okay. So these two issues are also written by Joshua Williamson. Of course, he's the writer that wrote the very first issue that kicked off the night terrors event night terrors first blood, but there is a different artist for the Night Terror's core issues, and it's done by Giuseppe Kamunkali, I want to say. Kamunkali. So, But there is still consistency there, so it doesn't throw you off. If you read First Blood, you're not going to be completely thrown out of your element if the art is staggeringly different, which does happen from time to time, especially with events. That's something that I don't... I know it's very common in comic book events, that from issue to issue, you will change the the artist. 
I've never been a fan of that because the aesthetic and the chosen color palette and style dictates the story. It creates the story. It's part of the narrative structure, in my opinion, when it comes to a visual storytelling medium, right? Yes. And when you change the style drastically, it it doesn't help the story. It, yeah. it At times, it hinders the story. So the artist, Giuseppe, he did a pretty good job staying within the same realm uh, when it comes to stylization. And the thing I really do, <clears throat> I really did like was like, the changing of artist, I was really concerned and curious because I'm just like what you said, it's very dicey when you start changing artists for a book or a series. Mm -hmm. But the way that it's used here from First Blood, when it's done in the way of, okay, this artist rendition and the narration of it was done through uh, Insomnia's point of view. Right. This was the night terrors. The series, this set of books is done through dead man's point of view. So I told myself, well, because it's dead man being the narrator, I can accept a little different, just a little bit of different. Yeah. It was uh, fine. Art, uh, artistry. And then like when you go into the, the side stories and we'll cover, I'm, I know what that we're going to be covering the Zatanna one. When you put it into context of the re it's everyone's different dreams and this is how they visualize it. Then the idea and the concept of having different artists is okay. Yeah. Because it fits the concept. Yeah. So the highlight for me when it comes to these two issues, I really like how Williamson articulates the paradox of existence and the power of death. Yes. The irony of his situation was profound. And I'm speaking of dead man, of course. Mm -hmm. In life, Boston was an artist, right? Uh, seeking to captivate the audience. And when I say an artist, of course, I mean a circus performer. Seeking to captivate the audience through breathtaking performances. And in death, he found himself relegated to the role of a passive, passive observer, so as dead man, he became a spectral spectator, essentially condemned to watch the lives of others unfold while he remained unable to directly partake in the world he once thrived in. Yet, even in this strange role reversal, he discovered a deeper understanding of the human experience. It wasn't until death and the fact that they brought that to the forefront in this issue yeah. while Williamson was recontextualizing or reintroducing dead man's origins for a new audience. It brought several key aspects to the surface. One being the understanding, the deeper understanding of the human experience, which in retrospect is as interesting character study. That's why I like dead man. Cause dead man is one of those characters. Forget comic books for a second, but dead man is a character that would thrive in live action in, I think so. in an HBO type series or a mature themed film, because the amount of depth this character has the, the underpinnings of his characterization is deeply steeped in all types of different philosophy, philosophy of death, philosophy of life, which are branches of philosophy, philosophy of existentialism, nihilism. There's so many things that, that make up 
this character. And that's why I really appreciate what Williamson's doing with him, because even though this is a mainstream title, there's only so much you can do with a mainstream title. You can't get into the weeds of existentialism or nihilism or the human condition. You just can't. It's not, it's not that type. Unfortunately, these types of comics, mainstream comics don't really cater to that type of readership. You know, you need something a little more easily digestible. However, Williamson knowing this is still making a point to flesh out moments of these things. Oh yeah. Because he picks his points in the comics. I thought was brilliant to the one thing I always loved about comics. And I always appreciate about comic book writers is they know how to make the moment in, in their story Mm -hmm. because they only will probably have not just a page, a panel to tell their story and a perfect example of this, of like what you're talking about is when Williamson in the very beginning of the book has the three panels of dead man and dead man goes about to talk about his life mm-hmm. and they're very short. <laughs> they're, they're only three panels long and it's one of the most awesome moments and one of the easiest way to just introduce a character very, very quickly. And this is how you do it in comics. And he just does it with the narration of Deadman, where <clears throat> Deadman says, the moment I died was the greatest performance, and now I'm stuck. I can never move on. Every day, every performance is the same forever. I'm the audience forced to watch everyone else live their lives. And in that panel, you see Deadman, the side of Deadman that's sad about this. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to the next panel, the right underneath it, a bit more lighter and he and but it's dead man saying something different which is but hey nothing to get too sad about right i know that uh, i now have a greater role the greatest role ever i get to be a superhero and what's the worst thing that can happen to someone who's already dead dead huh and then in the very end he and the, and the last panel is him in a very sinister and that's the beauties of those three panels, it shows the different sides of Boston where Boston's very tragic. Boston's very jokey and he's, and he's a good dude, but he's also someone like in the last panel where push comes to shove, dead man will do what it takes to win the day. When he says, you know, after I died, the circus continued. They took my body off the dirt Rolled out the clown show because you know what they say, the show must go on. Yeah. And it's like, that's though you just essentially in three panels, not even a page, three panels, introduced the character, got the character's motivation, got the character, got the character's characterizations down and away you go. Yeah. And going with that line of thinking, Dave, because everything you said, I agree. And it's the reason why I really liked the first issue. But now going into the second issue a bit where they do a similar style where they have Deadman introduce the story basically again in progress now as a talk show host. <laughs> that when, was awesome. When he says, good evening and welcome back. And he says, you know how they say on your deathbed, the only gr- regret you'll have is you'll wish you had spent more time with your family. Isn't that nice? 
But what about people like me who never got to have a deathbed? What kind of regrets do I get to have? Okay, so <laughs> the concept of unexpected death and its potential impact on the regrets one might ponder is fascinating and is highly philosophical. It's what I would call a philosophical existential paradox. When someone faces their mortality on their deathbed, the common notion is that they have time to reflect on their life. That's what dead man is talking about. They reflect on their life and they contemplate the decisions and actions that shaped their journey. And obviously, while doing so, regrets may arise from missed opportunities, unfulfilled dreams, strained relationships, or even choices that led to negative consequences. These are things that you hear about in these stories of people on their deathbed. However, this is that reversal. In the case of unexpected death, the luxury of time for introspection is absent, obviously. Yeah. The abrupt end leaves no room for deliberate contemplation, and the individual is denied the chance to consciously confront their own mortality. mortality yeah. And this raises intriguing questions about the nature of regrets in such circumstances. It's not meant to be answered by the dead. That's what's interesting. But by the living, or if you're dead man, a ghost. So dead man has a very interesting the character. It's a very interesting perspective that we can explore. Because when does a dead individual get to regret that they can't regret? Yes. And then when you throw that, that's borderline genius. And when you throw that into the fact that you paired him up by resurrecting a dead superhero in Wesley Dodds, who's been dead for a long time. And you throw that into the equation where when they do an issue two, when they introduce the whole point for Wesley Dodds is he is the guy that this mystery of the nightmare stone hinges on. And it makes sense. Sandman dealt with this villain who was obsessed with a dreaming cult right. and was uh, trying to create their own dream stone, essentially. Obviously, the avatar of Morpheus is not going to like that. So he had to put a stop to it. But like, he was peacefully dead <laughs> in Wesley Dodds. The only reason why he's brought back is to fulfill that one last regret that he has. Yeah. The one last mystery the that case. he was never able to solve. The case that wasn't solved, yeah. The case that wasn't solved. And it goes to like what you said about Dead Man. This now you have this pairing of these two guys who get to deal with that idea of regret and death as a finality. But like Boston's able to the only way Boston can win the day is he has to bring back Wesley in order to, in order to fulfill one of Wesley's oldest regrets. Yeah. But that's why I say this is highly philosophical because obviously, you know, someone cannot, you know, when you're faced with unexpected death, regret regrets are not going to emerge in a conventional sense, but because yeah. of the, the interesting attributes of dead man, and Sandman as characters, you instead get this idea that that co the contemplation about the nature of life itself lends itself to inherent uncertainties. And it could provoke that 
those existential questions about the meaning and purpose of one's existence and the acceptance of the impermanence of life. I mean, even the fragility of life. Yes. That's really at its core what they're using here, whether or not Williamson is thinking, yeah, you know, the fragility of life. That's what I'm writing. A lot of these things are subconscious. And if you understand the characters you're writing, that's going to come through. And that's why Sandman or what's his name? Dobbs. Dobbs. His real name. Yeah. Um, Dobbs and Dead Man work so well together because essentially they're being governed by the same type of philosophical nuances, right? Yeah. The same nuances and the same motivations. Yeah. Because like, and that's the thing I, it, you know, we're not going to cover all of the other uh, Night Terror titles, but I can tell you right now, I've, I've read them. I've, I've been enjoying this series and the idea that you just sprung upon about how life is fragile, right? If you read all of the other heroes stories in one way or another, guess what? They deal with that concept of basically purpose and how life needs to have a purpose and or life being very fragile. That's awesome. So and that's their nightmare. That's their thematic that's element. That's the you thematic think? element yeah. across all of the stories. See, David, that makes me more happy about this event because we all know that there's been some really shit events. And many times what makes them shitty is the fact that none of them really feel like they're a part of one thematic Aspect. aspect like it's different things being done by different writers this feels like it's actually mapped out and and not just mapped out based on narrative but mapped out based on tone and philosophical notes uh aspects of horror mm -hmm. you get the idea that things are actually working in conjunction for a cohesive event a cohesive event yeah i also like the aspect of insecurities we know dead man he suffers from insecurities it's not <laughs> always evident like it's not overt but there are things that he says he's very self-deprecating uh, the way he views himself his perceived inadequacies for for example the fact that he doesn't actually view himself as a hero like the core members of the justice league i want to yeah. say he mentioned that in issue one where like who am i yeah, I'm just a dead man. I'm not Batman. I'm not Wonder Woman. I'm not Superman. And I like that because that's really what makes a hero. Yeah. It's someone who doesn't view themselves as a hero. So it's really taking dead man, you know, into familiar territory. Yes, this is dead man. We've seen stories that are similar. If you're writing dead man, it's, go it's going to be that way. But at the same time, for the, the fact that Williamson is doing this within a mainstream title, and not getting too far into the weeds and in more, I guess you could say uppity titles for lack of better word, mm -hmm. you know, things that black labels made for or vertigo where you can really get into the deep aspects of the human condition. Mainstream titles typically aren't for that. No. And yet he's still able to give us those nuggets of, of relevance of, of meaning, deeper meaning without going too far into it because again the readership may not be all that interested we're a bunch of nerds in here and we love that yeah those types of things but but also david outside of the dead man stuff we were given some really cool lore 
<laughs> yes. Fleshing out the cosmological aspects of the DC world with this idea of the God of nightmares and the nightmare stone, the nightmare stone. having been created a long time ago through what was it like a ritual sacrifice? Yes. A you ritual know? sacrifice in order to actually create the nightmare stone out of someone's pure nightmares. <laughs> That's cool. And like, I remember when uh, we first covered, we were mentioning, I don't know if it was off the air or during our first discussion about like the possibilities where the story might be going. I know that, you know, the ideas of, well, Morpheus, will Morpheus show up? The Sandman is here. They're dealing with the dream, the aspect of a dream stone or in this regard, a nightmare stone, which is the opposite of Morpheus's dream stone. Mm-hmm. And you're having to deal with a nightmare God. Does that mean the Corinthians going to show up? Because the Corinthians, the aspect of nightmares. <laughs> David, for context, there may be people out there who aren't familiar with this version of Sandman, I would think most of us, when we hear Sandman, we think of Morpheus. Morpheus. We think of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Yeah. Now, if you've read Sandman, and if you remember, this Sandman Dobbs is also, he plays a part in in the Sandman series. Yeah. Or comic series. He isn't in the show. But Um, he's shown. But he is in the comic. He's a, a... he isn't a vital player, but he is in the series. Can you distinguish the two for us, David, based on your comic book knowledge? Can you explain where he comes from the way, in 60 seconds? The, the difference between Dodd's Sandman and Morpheus Sandman, Morpheus Sandman is an aspect. He is a god. He belongs in another plane. He is like death, the Corinthian, and all that stuff. He's a super being. He's a super being. He's above the tier of superheroes in vertigo morpheus would be like you know phantom stranger specter that tier of superhero dodds was a 1950s hero that went around solving mysteries with a gas mask and a sleeping a pistol with sleeping gas and he would put his the, the villains to sleep so that the, the, the cops could actually come in, you know, pick them up and bring them to jail. And he was a member of the Justice Society. He was part of the Justice Society, and the original why, Justice League. And that's why I'm not all, fami- that, all that familiar with him outside and, of Neil Gaiman Sandman because I was never a Justice Society guy. But the thing that was a genius uh, in Gaiman's part when he brought up Sandman he made Dodds essentially the avatar of Morpheus because if you've read the first issue of Sandman, Sandman's dreaming stone gets taken. His artifacts get stolen. Mm-hmm. And because Morpheus is captured, his essence is missed in the universe. And, and, and basically the universe had to inspire people with their dreams and Dodds, the way that gaming connects Dodd's origin is Dodd's is inspired by Morpheus because Morpheus is dis- is missing, so yeah. the world needs a Sandman. And I'm, I'm like, going, that that was such a one of my favorite moments in the Sandman comic. And then to bring it back here, it makes me go. The only thing that would make this awesome is in the very end. More you have, awesome. Make it more. Make awesome. it more awesome in the very end. Insomnia has to deal with Morpheus in the end. 
And that's how they they're gonna. That's how they would actually get him. David, how are you gonna feel when Morpheus doesn't show up? I'm. You know, Morpheus is like that's a fan want. The fan want. And remember, with comics, I try to remove myself because this is up to the story writer. David, you know what? Yes, it's probably a fan want, but also there are narrative reasons why it would make sense it for would him. Makes sense perfectly. I personally <laughs> would feel like it's a misstep. They don't bring him in in some way. Even if he doesn't make an appearance, they need to mention him. Even if it's a short appearance, I would be happy if like, if they find the nightmare stone and Dodds has it and then Morpheus Morpheus shows up and, and then comes and claims it. Yeah. Because the well, nightmare don't you think stone that's is some, super important. And that's something that we probably would need an answer to because wouldn't it make sense that it's his domain, right? The dreaming. Yes, the dreaming. So wouldn't he be the one to take on the responsibility of hiding the nightmare stone or protecting it? It would make sense. Well, yeah, especially since remember in the very beginning, you had the character of uh Dr. Dest uh, is it Dr. Destiny? Yeah. Dr. Destiny was actually the the first victim of uh of insomnia yeah well, dr destiny shows up in sandman and he's one of the people that sandman cursed right <laughs> well david also you mentioned the corinthian a while back a few minutes a few moments ago yeah you have too many similarities to the current you notice that too you mean you have you you're talking about essentially the dreaming i mean yes the yes. nightmare stone but it's in that domain you are dealing with nightmares you have to bring in those characters at some point. Well, do you realize Especially the Corinthian, if you're dealing with the God of nightmares, which we don't know who that is yet. Right? Yes. Okay. We don't know it's not, it's not insomnia. Yeah. It's not insomnia. He is insomnia. Be. It's so we don't know who the God of nightmares is yet. And here's the thing that basically I was like thinking, maybe it's tied to the Corinthian is because if you look at insomnia, how they design the character, his eyes are torn open. Yeah. They, they look like they've been torn open. Yep. If anyone familiar with the Sandman, the Corinthian goes around wearing sunglasses. Yeah. There's a reason. So maybe the Corinthian <laughs> trying to step out on Morpheus yet again and claim something for his own, becoming would, a god. It'd be kind of cool. It would be cool. Be really I, I cool. would be okay with that. That actually would make a lot more sense than splintering the concepts further oh nightmare god the corinthian nightmares it, you you're fucking around a little too much yes it would make a, a lot more sense if you just combined them it'd be really cool too them thematically with what was established by gaiman with dodds and morpheus dodds is quote unquote the avatar or he was an avatar of the sandman you could make insomnia the avatar of the corinthian yeah <laughs> that like, would be pretty david that's a good idea see this is where you really become an asset on this show it is your deep comic book nerd knowledge that you then use to craft some interesting ideas. You do pretty well when it comes to that type of stuff. That is definitely your thing, David. And, and see, that's the thing is like, I think about these things, Mike, very daily. And this is why very daily, very daily. <laughs> Cause I'm like, Greg, that's, that, that is the only things that go in my head is all these geek things. Well, you have a very deep comic book knowledge. 
far more than I do. I only have knowledge on a few characters that I find interesting because I always say this. I'm not a comic book fan per se, but I enjoy comic books. I'm just very selective. But if you put Zatanna and Constantine in, in one room, you know. Things yeah. happen. Yes. I instantly become a comic book fan. <laughs> yeah. so I think the whole universe I does. enjoy comic books. I just don't consider myself an a die hard comic book fan. There's too many other things to read, Dave. There is. There yeah. is. All right. So Insomnia's origin story is also interesting. He was changed by the Lazarus reign, which goes right back to what you said in our last discussion, that they're really bringing they're using a lot of recent narrative strands that have been introduced in other DC stories, other events yeah. and bringing them all together because correct me if I'm wrong. The Lazarus reign was a term used recently because of the Lazarus volcano eruption, correct? That yes. spewed like all types of chemicals into the earth's atmosphere. Yeah. It's and that was Lazarus. Lazarus. Uh serum and that was from that's taken from the lazarus planet storyline correct yes that's where we got started uh, in january yeah yeah that's where we get the 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 new heroes that we're talking about the new hero with uh constantine actually we covered that comic yeah so look at them using ideas and not dropping them because that happens a lot as well with events they introduce these ideas and you're like all right when are we gonna see that again that's the thing never that's what everyone online has been talking about is like, there's, this is the, this is the, this is the reason why there's consistency this year. Yeah. DC this year seems to kick the ass of Marvel storylines because DC basically says, yeah, all the stuff that we've been doing, we've been keeping track and everything that we've done. That is something that will affect the universe. Yeah. Whereas in, in, you know, like Marvel, Marvel has an issue of like doing something and then suddenly the world's back to normal and no one knows about it for some strange reason. <laughs> Life goes on. Yeah. So lastly, Dave, the sleepless nights. I, it's so fucking cheesy to play on words, but it works. Oh and I God. like it when they introduce the sleepless nights, which are basically the, with the minions. Of insomnia, insomnia's yeah. minions, his army, his henchmen, right? Yes. There's actually more to that. Oh, really? Yes. Don't spoil. Not, I don't want to spoil it because we still have to cover. Uh, I'm assuming issue three and four is going to delve into that. Actually, all of the other issues in, in Night Terrors deal with this. Uh, what about Zatanna? Yes. Okay. Well, Very we're much gonna, so. We're actually going to get to that next. Yeah, that's why I don't want to go too in much into the 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 uh knights yet because like when you find out who the knights are it's like oh oh dead man's really in trouble (laughs) i can't wait it's looking to be or shaping up to be a really interesting story okay david i want to go over our plans for night terrors once again there were some questions but first let's end with our final thoughts and then we'll move into our plans or i should say let's end this discussion with our final thoughts and then we'll move into our plans for night terrors okay so my rmd score issue one was an 86 percent for me issue two was an 80 percent which averages out to an 83 percent for the overall 
first two issues. So Dave, what about you? I am, I'm actually really high on this one because I think it also has to deal with the fact that this past year, Night Terrace has proven to be arguably top two best storylines right now in comic books right now for the big companies. I know people are going to be out there yelling at me. There's independent comics out there. No, I know. But when it comes to the big two and main events, mm-hmm. Night Terrors is considered a main event. It is arguably top two. And for issue number one, I gave that one a 89. And for issue number two, which as much as I liked what Williamson set the table for in issue one, I appreciated the fact he jumped immediately and connected the dots rather quickly to bring in dot, bring in the Sandman and bring in insomnia because that last moment when you see where insomnia comes in and his origin, where he was a comatose patient during yeah. the last one, dude, that just tied the, no, the, the, the bow perfectly on this story because like just like what you said this whole story is dealing about death regret and showing how life is very fragile and it's unfair to be taken advantage of so what was your score for the second one? the second one i gave a 90 okay because i really like the fact that he carried his themes on really well from the first issue and also alongside with all the other uh titles that his fellow writers over there have been working on so your average is 90% because we round up on this network so that we can be more charitable to the artists that we review. So that's a net or a show score of roughly 86%, which isn't that bad. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. I probably in retrospect would have increased my, my score for a second issue after we were talking for a while, I was like, yeah, it's actually better than I remembered as I was reading. There is, there is a lot of cool things going on. It is. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> our plans that people are aware the next discussion that we are doing for night terrors will be. Okay. So in two weeks, we're going to be covering how uh, night terrors, the one and two together. Yes. The, the following week will be uh, covering Night Terrors 3 and 4 together. And then the week after that, we will cover the wrap-up. Nope, I take that back. Two weeks after that, we'll cover the wrap-up. Because Night's End. Which is the epilogue. Yeah. Night's End. And that takes us into September. So make sure you catch up. You have two weeks to catch up. Make sure you read. We're going to get into that. It's going to be fun. All right, David, thank you. All right, thank you. Cheers, wankers. See you never.